Section 12 of Report of the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy. The Warren Commission Report. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Report of the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy. The Warren Commission Report. By the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy. Chapter 4. The Assassin. Part 1. The preceding chapter has established that the bullets which killed President Kennedy and wounded Governor Connolly were fired from the southeast corner window of the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository Building, and that the weapon which fired these bullets was a Manlicker Carcano 6.5 millimeter Italian rifle bearing the serial number C2766. In this chapter, the Commission evaluates the evidence upon which it has based its conclusion concerning the identity of the assassin. This evidence includes 1. the ownership and possession of the weapon used to commit the assassination, 2. the means by which the weapon was brought into the depository building, 3 the identity of the person present at the window from which the shots were fired, 4. the killing of Dallas Patrolman J.D. Tippett within 45 minutes after the assassination, 5. the resistance to arrest and the attempted shooting of another police officer by the man, Lee Harvey Oswald, subsequently accused of assassinating President Kennedy and killing Patrolman Tippett, 6 the lies told to the police by Oswald, 7. The evidence linking Oswald to the attempted killing of Major General Edwin A. Walker, resigned U.S. Army, on April 10, 1963, and 8. Oswald's capability with a rifle. Ownership and Possession of Assassination Weapon Purchase of Rifle by Oswald Shortly after the Manlicker Carcano rifle was found on the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository building, agents of the FBI learned from retail outlets in Dallas that Crescent Firearms, Inc. of New York City was a distributor of surplus Italian 6.5-millimeter military rifles. During the evening of November 22, 1963, a review of the records of Crescent Firearms revealed that the firm had shipped an Italian carbine, serial number C2766, to Klein's Sporting Goods Company of Chicago, Illinois. After searching their records from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m., the officers of Klein's discovered that a rifle bearing serial number C2766 had been shipped to 1A Hidel, Post Office Box 2915, Dallas, Texas, on March 20, 1963. According to its microfilm records, Kleins received an order for a rifle on March 13, 1963, on a coupon clipped from the February 1963 issue of the American Rifleman magazine. The order coupon was signed in hand printing A. Hedell, P.O. Box 2915, Dallas, Texas. It was sent in an envelope bearing the same name and return address in handwriting. Document examiners for the Treasury Department and the FBI testified unequivocally 
that the bold printing on the face of the mail-order coupon was in the handprinting of Lee Harvey Oswald, and that the writing on the envelope was also his. Oswald's writing on these and other documents was identified by comparing the writing and printing on the documents in question with that appearing on documents known to have been written by Oswald, such as his letters, passport application, and endorsements of checks. In addition to the order coupon, the envelope contained a U.S. postal money order for $21.45 purchased as number 22021304462 in Dallas, Texas, on March 12, 1963. The canceled money order was obtained from the post office department. Opposite the printed words, Pay to, were written the words, Klein's Sporting Goods. And opposite the printed word, From, were written the words, A. Hedell, P.O. Box 2915, Dallas, Texas. These words were also in the handwriting of Lee Harvey Oswald. From Klein's records, it was possible to trace the processing of the order after its receipt. A bank deposit made on March 13, 1963, included an item of $21.45. Klein's shipping order form shows an imprint made by the cash register, which recorded the receipt of $21.45 on March 13, 1963. This price included $19.95 for the rifle and the scope, and $1.50 for postage and handling. The rifle without the scope cost only $12.78. According to the vice president of Klein's, William Waldman, the scope was mounted on the rifle by a gunsmith employed by Klein's, and the rifle was shipped fully assembled in accordance with customary company procedures. The specific rifle shipped against the order had been received by Klein's from Crescent, on February 21, 1963. It bore the manufacturer's serial number C2766. On that date, Kleins placed an internal control number VC836 on this rifle. According to Kleins' shipping order form, one Italian carbine 6.5 X4X scope Control number VC836, serial number C2766, was shipped parcel post to A. Hedell, P.O. Box 2915, Dallas, Texas, on March 20, 1963. Information received from the Italian Armed Forces Intelligence Service has established that this particular rifle was the only rifle of its type, bearing serial number C2766. The post office box to which the rifle was shipped was rented to Lee H. Oswald from October 9, 1962 to May 14, 1963. Experts on handwriting identification from the Treasury Department and the FBI testified that the signature and other writing on the application for that box were in the handwriting of Lee Harvey Oswald as was a change of address card dated May 12, 1963, by which Oswald requested that mail addressed to that box be forwarded to him in New Orleans, where he had moved on April 24. Since the rifle was shipped from Chicago on March 20, 1963, it was received in Dallas during the period when Oswald rented and used the box. 
It is not known whether the application for Post Office Box 2915 listed A. Hedell as a person entitled to receive mail at this box. In accordance with postal regulations, the portion of the application which lists names of persons other than the applicant entitled to receive mail was thrown away after the box was closed in May 1963. Postal Inspector Harry D. Holmes of the Dallas Post Office testified, however, that when a package is received for a certain box, a notice is placed in that box regardless of whether the name on the package is listed on the application as a person entitled to receive mail through that box. The person having access to the box then takes the notice to the window and is given the package. Ordinarily, Inspector Holmes testified, identification is not requested because it is assumed that the person with the notice is entitled to the package. Oswald's use of the name Hedell to purchase the assassination weapon was one of several instances in which he used this name as an alias. When arrested on the day of the assassination, he had in his possession a Smith & Wesson 38 caliber revolver purchased by mail-order coupon from Seaport Traders, Inc., a mail-order division of George Rose & Company, Los Angeles. The mail-order coupon listed the purchaser as A.J. Hedell, age 28, with the address of Post Office Box 2915 in Dallas. Handwriting experts from the FBI and the Treasury Department testified that the writing on the mail-order form was that of Lee Harvey Oswald. Among other identification cards in Oswald's wallet at the time of his arrest were a Selective Service Notice of Classification, a Selective Service Registration Certificate, and a Certificate of Service in the U.S. Marine Corps, all three cards being in his own name. Also in his wallet at that time were a Selective Service Notice of Classification and a Marine Certificate of Service in the name of Alec James Hedell. On the Hedell Selective Service card, there appeared a signature, Alec J. Hedell, and the photograph of Lee Harvey Oswald. Experts on questioned documents from the Treasury Department and the FBI testified that the Hedell cards were counterfeit photographic reproductions made by photographing the Oswald cards, retouching the resulting negatives, and producing prints from the retouched negatives. The Hedell signature on the notice of classification was in the handwriting of Oswald. In Oswald's personal effects found in his room at 1026 North Beckley Avenue in Dallas was a purported international certificate of vaccination signed by Dr. A.J. Hedell, Post Office Box 30016, New Orleans. It certified that Lee Harvey Oswald had been vaccinated for smallpox on June 8, 1963. This, too, was a forgery. The signature of A.J. Hedeel was in the handwriting of Lee Harvey Oswald. There is no Dr. Hedeel licensed to practice medicine in Louisiana. There is no post office box 30016 in the New Orleans post office. But Oswald had rented post office box 30061 in New Orleans on June 3, 1963, listing Marina Oswald 
and A.J. Hedell as additional persons entitled to receive mail in the box. The New Orleans postal authorities had not discarded the portion of the application listing the names of those, other than the owner of the box, entitled to receive mail through the box. Expert testimony confirmed that the writing on this application was that of Lee Harvey Oswald. Hiddell's name on the post office box application was part of Oswald's use of a non-existent Hiddell to serve as president of the so-called New Orleans chapter of the Fair Play for Cuba Committee. Marina Oswald testified that she first learned of Oswald's use of the fictitious name Hedell in connection with his pro-Castro activities in New Orleans. According to her testimony, he compelled her to write the name Hedell on membership cards in the space designated for the signature of the chapter president. The name Hedell was stamped on some of the chapter's printed literature and on the membership application blanks. Marina Oswald testified, quote, I knew there was no such organization, and I know Hedell is merely an altered Fidel, and I laughed at such foolishness, end quote. Hedell was a fictitious president of an organization of which Oswald was the only member. When seeking employment in New Orleans, Oswald listed a Sergeant Robert Hedell as a reference on one job application, and George Hedell as a reference on another. Both names were found to be fictitious. Moreover, the use of Alec as a first name for Hedell is a further link to Oswald because Alec was Oswald's nickname in Russia. Letters received by Marina Oswald from her husband signed Alec were given to the commission. Oswald's palm print on rifle barrel. Based on the above evidence, the commission concluded that Oswald purchased the rifle found on the sixth floor of the depository building. Additional evidence of ownership was provided in the form of palm print identification, which indicated that Oswald had possession of the rifle he had purchased. A few minutes after the rifle was discovered on the sixth floor of the depository building, it was examined by Lieutenant J.C. Day of the Identification Bureau of the Dallas Police. He lifted the rifle by the wooden stock after his examination convinced him that the wood was too rough to take fingerprints. Captain J.W. Fritz then ejected a cartridge by operating the bolt, but only after Day viewed the knob on the bolt through a magnifying glass and found no prints. Day continued to examine the rifle with the magnifying glass, looking for possible fingerprints. He applied fingerprint powder to the side of the metal housing near the trigger and noticed traces of two prints. At 11.45 p.m. on November 22, the rifle was released to the FBI and forwarded to Washington, where it was examined on the morning of November 23 by Sebastian F. Latona, supervisor of the latent fingerprint section of the FBI's Identification Division. In his testimony before the commission, Latona stated that when he received the rifle, the area where prints were visible was protected by cellophane. He examined these prints, as well as photographs of them which the Dallas police had made, and concluded that, quote, the formations, the ridge formations and characteristics, 
were insufficient for purposes of either affecting identification or a determination that the print was not identical with the prints of people. Accordingly, my opinion simply was that the latent prints which were there were of no value. End quote. Latona then processed the complete weapon, but developed no identifiable prints. He stated that the poor quality of the wood and the metal would cause the rifle to absorb moisture from the skin, thereby making a clear print unlikely. On November 22, however, before surrendering possession of the rifle to the FBI laboratory, Lieutenant Day of the Dallas Police Department had lifted a palm print from the underside of the gun barrel, quote, near the firing end of the barrel, about three inches under the woodstock, when I took the woodstock loose, end quote. Lifting a print involves the use of adhesive material to remove the fingerprint powder which adheres to the original print. In this way, the powdered impression is actually removed from the object. The lifting had been so complete in this case that there was no trace of the print on the rifle itself when it was examined by Latona. Nor was there any indication that the lift had been performed. Day, on the other hand, believed that sufficient traces of the print had been left on the rifle barrel because he did not release the lifted print until November 26, when he received instructions to send everything that we had to the FBI. The print arrived in the FBI laboratory in Washington on November 29, mounted on a card on which Lieutenant Day had written the words, quote, off underside gun barrel near end of grip C2766, end quote. The print's positive identity as having been lifted from the rifle was confirmed by FBI laboratory tests which established that the adhesive material bearing the print also bore impressions of the same irregularities that appeared on the barrel of the rifle. Latona testified that this palm print was the right palm print of Lee Harvey Oswald. At the request of the commission, Arthur Mandela, fingerprint expert with the New York City Police Department, conducted an independent examination and also determined that this was the right palm print of Oswald. Latona's findings were also confirmed by Ronald G. Whitmus, another FBI fingerprint expert. In the opinion of these experts, it was not possible to estimate the time which elapsed between the placing of the print on the rifle and the date of the lift. Experts testifying before the commission agreed that palm prints are as unique as fingerprints for purposes of establishing identification. Oswald's palm print on the underside of the barrel demonstrates that he handled the rifle when it was disassembled. A palm print could not be placed on this portion of the rifle when assembled because the wooden foregrip covers the barrel at this point. The print is additional proof that the rifle was in Oswald's possession. Fibers on Rifle In a crevice between the butt plate of the rifle and the wooden stock was a tuft of several cotton fibers of dark blue, gray-black, and orange-yellow shades. On November 23, 1963, these fibers were examined by Paul M. Stombaugh, a special agent assigned to the hair and fiber unit of the FBI laboratory. He compared them with the fibers found in the shirt which Oswald was wearing when arrested in the Texas theater. This shirt was also composed of dark blue, 
gray-black, and orange-yellow cotton fibers. Stombaugh testified that the colors, shades, and twist of the fibers found in the tuft on the rifle matched those in Oswald's shirt. Stombaugh explained in his testimony that in fiber analysis, as distinct from fingerprint or firearms identification, it is not possible to state with scientific certainty that a particular small group of fibers come from a certain piece of clothing to the exclusion of all others because there are not enough microscopic characteristics present in fibers. Judgments as to probability will depend on the number and types of matches. He concluded, quote, There is no doubt in my mind that these fibers could have come from this shirt. There is no way, however, to eliminate the possibility of the fibers having come from another identical shirt. End quote. Having considered the probabilities as explained in Stombaugh's testimony, the Commission has concluded that the fibers in the tuft on the rifle most probably came from the shirt worn by Oswald when he was arrested, and that this was the same shirt which Oswald wore on the morning of the assassination. Marina Oswald testified that she thought her husband wore this shirt to work on that day. The testimony of those who saw him after the assassination was inconclusive about the color of Oswald's shirt, but Mary Bledsoe, a former landlady of Oswald, saw him on a bus approximately ten minutes after the assassination and identified the shirt as being the one worn by Oswald primarily because of a distinctive hole in the shirt's right elbow. Moreover, the bus transfer which he obtained as he left the bus was still in the pocket when he was arrested. Although Oswald returned to his rooming house after the assassination and, when questioned by the police, claimed to have changed his shirt, the evidence indicates that he continued wearing the same shirt which he was wearing all morning and which he was still wearing when arrested. In light of these findings, the Commission evaluated the additional testimony of Stombaugh that the fibers were caught in the crevice of the rifle's butt plate, quote, in the recent past, end quote. Although Stombaugh was unable to estimate the period of time the fibers were on the rifle, he said that the fibers, quote, were clean, they had good color to them, there was no grease on them, and they were not fragmented. They looked as if they had just been picked up, end quote. The relative freshness of the fibers is strong evidence that they were caught on the rifle on the morning of the assassination or during the preceding evening. For ten days prior to the eve of the assassination, Oswald had not been present at Ruth Payne's house in Irving, Texas, where the rifle was kept. Moreover, the Commission found no reliable evidence that Oswald used the rifle at any time between September 23, when it was transported from New Orleans, and November 22, the day of the assassination. The fact that, on the morning of the assassination, Oswald was wearing the shirt from which these relatively fresh fibers most probably originated, provides some evidence that they were placed on the rifle that day, since there was limited, if any, opportunity for Oswald to handle the weapon during the two months prior to November 22. On the other hand, Stombaugh pointed out that fibers might retain their freshness if the rifle had been, quote, put aside, end quote, after catching the fibers. The rifle used in the assassination probably had been wrapped in a blanket for about eight weeks prior to November 22. 
Because the relative freshness of these fibers might be explained by the continuous storage of the rifle in the blanket, the Commission was unable to reach any firm conclusion as to when the fibers were caught in the rifle. The Commission was able to conclude, however, that the fibers most probably came from Oswald's shirt. This adds to the conviction of the Commission that Oswald owned and handled the weapon used in the assassination. Photograph of Oswald with Rifle During the period from March 2, 1963 to April 24, 1963, the Oswalds lived on Neely Street in Dallas in a rented house which had a small backyard. One Sunday, while his wife was hanging diapers, Oswald asked her to take a picture of him holding a rifle, a pistol, and issues of two newspapers later identified as the worker and the militant. Two pictures were taken. The Commission has concluded that the rifle shown in these pictures is the same rifle which was found on the sixth floor of the Depository Building on November 22, 1963. One of these pictures, Exhibit Number 133A, shows most of the rifle's configuration. Special Agent Lindahl L. Shaneyfeldt a photography expert with the FBI photographed the rifle used in the assassination, attempting to duplicate the position of the rifle and the lighting in exhibit number 133A. After comparing the rifle in the simulated photograph with the rifle in exhibit number 133A, Shaney Felt testified, quote, I found it to be the same general configuration. All appearances were the same, end quote. He found, quote, one notch in the stock at this point that appears very faintly in the photograph, end quote. He stated, however, that while he, quote, found no differences, end quote, between the rifles in the two photographs, he could not make a, quote, positive identification to the exclusion of all other rifles of the same general configuration, end quote. The authenticity of these pictures has been established by expert testimony, which links the second picture, Commission Exhibit Number 133B to Oswald's Imperial Reflex Camera, with which Marina Oswald testified she took the pictures. The negative of that picture, Commission Exhibit Number 133B, was found among Oswald's possessions. Using a recognized technique of determining whether a picture was taken with a particular camera, Shaney Felt compared this negative with a negative which he made by taking a new picture with Oswald's camera. He concluded that the negative of exhibit number 133B was exposed in Oswald's imperial reflex camera to the exclusion of all other cameras. He could not test exhibit number 133A in the same way because the negative was never recovered. Both pictures, however, have identical backgrounds and lighting and judging from the shadows were taken at the same angle. They are photographs of the same scene. Since exhibit number 133B was taken with Oswald's camera, it is reasonably certain that exhibit number 133A was taken by the same camera at the same time as Marina Oswald testified. Moreover, Shaney Felt testified that in his opinion, the photographs were not composites of two different photographs, and that Oswald's face had not been superimposed on another body. One of the photographs taken by Marina Oswald was widely published in newspapers and magazines, and in many instances, the details of these pictures differed from the original and even from each other.
particularly as to the configuration of the rifle. The Commission sought to determine whether these photographs were touched prior to publication. Shaney felt testified that the published photographs appeared to be based on a copy of the original, which the publications had each retouched differently. Several of the publications furnished the Commission with the prints they had used, or described by correspondence the retouching they had done. This information enabled the Commission to conclude that the published pictures were the same as the original, except for retouching done by these publications, apparently for the purpose of clarifying the lines of the rifle and other details in the picture. The dates surrounding the taking of this picture and the purchase of the rifle reinforce the belief that the rifle in the photograph is the rifle which Oswald bought from Klein's. The rifle was shipped from Klein's in Chicago on March 20, 1963, at a time when the Oswalds were living on Neely Street. From an examination of one of the photographs, the Commission determined the dates of the issues of the militant and the worker which Oswald was holding in his hand. By checking the actual mailing dates of these issues, and the time it usually takes to effect delivery to Dallas, it was established that the photographs must have been taken sometime after March 27. Marina Oswald testified that the photographs were taken on a Sunday, about two weeks before the attempted shooting of Major General Edwin A. Walker on April 10, 1963. By Sunday, March 31, 1963, ten days prior to the Walker attempt, Oswald had undoubtedly received the rifle shipped from Chicago on March 20, the revolver shipped from Los Angeles on the same date, and the two newspapers which he was holding in the picture. Rifle among Oswald's possessions. Marina Oswald testified that the rifle found on the sixth floor of the depository building was the, quote, fateful rifle of Lee Oswald, unquote. Moreover, it was the only rifle owned by her husband following his return from the Soviet Union in June 1962. It had been purchased in March 1963 and taken to New Orleans, where Marina Oswald saw it in their rented apartment during the summer of 1963. It appears from his wife's testimony that Oswald may have sat on the screened-in porch at night practicing with the rifle by looking through the telescopic sight and operating the bolt. In September 1963, Oswald loaded their possessions into a station wagon owned by Ruth Payne, who had invited Marina Oswald and the baby to live at her home in Irving, Texas. Marina Oswald has stated that the rifle was among these possessions, although Ruth Payne testified that she was not aware of it. From September 24, 1963, when Marina Oswald arrived in Irving from New Orleans, until the morning of the assassination, the rifle was, according to the evidence, stored in a green and brown blanket in the Payne's garage among the Oswald's other possessions. About one week after the return from New Orleans, Marina Oswald was looking in the garage for parts to the baby's crib and thought that the parts might be in the blanket. When she started to open the blanket, she saw the stock of the rifle. Ruth and Michael Payne both noticed the rolled-up blanket in the garage during the time that Marina Oswald was living in their home. On several occasions, 
Michael Payne moved the blanket in the garage. He thought it contained tent poles or possibly other camping equipment, such as a folding shovel. When he appeared before the commission, Michael Payne lifted the blanket with the rifle wrapped inside and testified that it appeared to be the same approximate weight and shape as the package in his garage. About three hours after the assassination, a detective and deputy sheriff saw the blanket roll, tied with a string, lying on the floor of the Payne's garage. Each man testified that he thought he could detect the outline of a rifle in the blanket, even though the blanket was empty. Paul M. Stombaugh of the FBI laboratory examined the blanket and discovered a bulge approximately 10 inches long midway in the blanket. This bulge was apparently caused by a hard protruding object which had stretched the blanket's fibers. It could have been caused by the telescopic sight of the rifle, which was approximately 11 inches long. Conclusion Having reviewed the evidence that, 1. Lee Harvey Oswald purchased the rifle used in the assassination, 2. Oswald's palm print was on the rifle, in a position which shows that he had handled it while it was disassembled, 3. Fibers found on the rifle most probably came from the shirt Oswald was wearing on the day of the assassination. 4. A photograph taken in the yard of Oswald's apartment showed him holding this rifle. And 5. The rifle was kept among Oswald's possessions from the time of its purchase until the day of the assassination. The commission concluded that the rifle used to assassinate President Kennedy and wound Governor Connolly was owned and possessed by Lee Harvey Oswald. End of section 12. Recording by Linda Johnson.